You're listening to Insights for Living with Pastor Boju Oyemade. Pastor Boju is the senior pastor of the Covenant Nation. I want to share um, on a concept and uh, lay a foundation for uh, something I want to do for the next, all right, uh, five to six weeks. And what we want to do, uh, what we had in here, is to offer up um, what you will call, if you want to be deep, all right, governmental prayers or prayers that release the authority of Christ into the earth for the fulfillment of certain things within this local assembly. In other words, prayers are offered up that causes there to be an outpouring of the Spirit of Jesus into the church for the performance in the life of every single individual, the truth that was offered up to God in prayer. It tells us in Isaiah 55 that my word cannot return unto me void. In other words, if my word is brought back to me in prayer, the people will not go out empty-handed. They will be fruitful. So I'm talking about this type of prayer. Now, we practice this during the just-concluded WAFBEC. Uh, that's the conference that we had. And uh, every single person I've, I've heard from has said that it has been uh, their most powerful WAFBEC, all right, uh, um, that they've ever experienced. In fact, a person who is a solid Christian said, or wrote this, he said, in 40 years of being a Christian, he had never experienced such an impactful spiritual conference in his entire Christian work. Now, there is in God's wisdom, there is his mercy that bestows, but the mercy of God always works with truth. In other words, there is an underlying principle that allowed the mercy of God, all right, to rest upon us. And in Genesis chapter 24 and verse 27, I just want to show that mercy and truth works together. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left my master, left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth. Then we see also in 2 Samuel 15 and verse 20, mercy and truth always goes together. Whereas thou comest but yesterday, should I this day make thee go up and down with us? Seeing I go whither I may, return thou and take back thy brethren. Mercy and truth be with thee. And then in Psalm 25 and verse 10. Psalm 25. There are several scriptures that say this. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth to such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. So there was an underlying truth behind it. And what God had showed us prior to the meeting is a principle that 
if you do have what we termed pre-Wafbeck services, and uh, you teach and explain uh, the concepts and uh, the scriptures that pertain uh, to the meeting, and you can get the people into one accord concerning the outcome, then the prayer of faith can be offered up. And the prayer of faith cannot, all right, go unanswered. The prayer of faith is what brings, uh, causes the impossible, naturally speaking, to happen. You cannot offer the prayer of faith without getting, uh, all right, a nod from heaven. If the prayer of faith uh, seems to go unanswered, it's because there wasn't continuity and persistence in the practice of it, that is, to eliminate the demonic forces that were opposing the will of God, and so it appeared that the prayer was unanswered. The prayer of faith cannot be denied. It can only appear to fail where the believers are not persistent and there is no continuity all right, over a period, a short period of time in order for there to be a manifestation. In other words, the demonic powers have not been removed or dismantled for the will of God to come to pass. For in the prayer of faith, first thing that you hear is what God wants to do. That is, God shows a person or a group of people what he wants to do. And then he says, go into a posture of believing prayer to cause my will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. The only thing that can stop the manifestation is what we say in Luke chapter 18 when the Bible says men always ought to pray and not to faint. In other words, where there is continuity and persistence, then there is going to be a speedy answers that will come. So what happened was we offered up the prayer of faith. We taught it. Our people came collectively into agreement and then offered up prayer continuously. And grace now is made manifest in the atmosphere. And then when you act on it or you act, then the power of God comes into operation. So Elijah stayed in prayer, persisted in prayer after he heard the sound of the abundance of rain. He knew this couldn't be denied. He stayed there until the hand of God appeared in the clouds. And then he said, now we can act. Uh, the truth is, if we tripled the size of that auditorium, it would have been filled to capacity. The only thing that hindered people from coming, because there was a morning session, we almost counted 1,300 people outside. The only thing that hindered people from coming again, because I noticed that there was no traffic, which is where people even come in the evenings, is that people online could already see that, all right, this place is packed. And, and, and there was no room for cars and all of that, so people just stayed on. So grace, all right, had been released and there was no increased effort, so to speak, in saying, let's publicize, let's publicize. There was something in the atmosphere that came as a result of exact all right, principles that are contained in the word of God. 
Now, what we want to do is to transfer this to divine healing, to release grace into the congregation for everybody to be in a state of permanent health, to release it into a place of prosperity and financial abundance, to get people into a state where there is grace for that, to release it all right, at the beginning of the year for strong families so that grace is released for that, and also to release it for the growth and multiplication of the church. Those four areas. But the principle behind it is what I simply want to share, all right, this morning. And then we'll begin to teach on the various aspects there that will cause grace to be released into the church. Now in Zechariah chapter 1 and verse 12, we see something here. We see that the angel of the Lord answered the prophet and said, all right, how long will thou not have mercy on Jerusalem? All right, and answered and said, O Lord, talking to the Lord, and unto the cities of Judah, against which thou hast had this indignation 70 years. And then verse 13, the Lord answered the angel that talked with me with good words and with comfortable words. Verse 14, so the angel communed with me and said, cry out, saying, thus saith the Lord God of hosts, I am jealous with for Jerusalem and for Zion with great jealousy. And I'm very sore displeased with the heathen that are at ease. This was God's mind. For I was but a little displeased, and they helped forward the affliction. Verse 16. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, I am returned to Jerusalem, this is what God said, with messes, and my house shall be built in it, saith the Lord. And then a line shall be stretched forth upon Jerusalem. Verse 17, it says, cry out, saying, thus hear the Lord. This is what the Lord said. My cities through prosperity shall yet be spread abroad, and the Lord shall yet comfort Zion, and he shall yet choose Jerusalem. So God said, cry this, declare it into the earth, that will be spread abroad, and I will comfort Zion and choose Jerusalem. And it will be seen that I've selected Jerusalem as a place to be blessed, and it will be obvious to everyone. However, verse 18, before that happened, God said, here is my will, but see something in the spirit realm. Then I lifted up my eyes, and behold, I saw four horns. And I said to the angel that talked with me, what are these? Now, these are horns, all right, invisible to the human eyes. And he answered and said, these are the horns that have scattered. He said, you see the scattering here, all right, of Judah, Israel, and Jerusalem, where everybody has gone back to their own tent, where everybody is camping according to their families and their tribes, and they are scattered, where you see that there's opposition among the people. He said, it's the effect of these four horns that are over this particular land. If you look at Daniel chapter 7 and verse 21, and God was showing him, he said, this is my will, but there are horns here. I beheld the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them. So these are horns, spiritual entities that were at war with the saints and were winning. And in, in Zechariah there, it says they scattered. So every person was operating as an individual in opposition and all of that. 
Uh, even though that was God's will, he said this wasn't existent. And so what we need is the prayer of faith to remove this haunt. Now next verse there, it now says that, all right, and Lord showed me four carpenters. And then it says, what are these? Uh, it says, these are the horns which have scattered Judah so that no man in the place called lift up his head. So the horns scattered them such that nobody in the place called just rise up. So once anybody wants to rise up, the thing, the spiritual force knocks that person back. Another person wants to rise up in one area, knocks that person back. Another person wants to rise up, knocks that person back. I was listening to a preacher, I won't call the African nation, but it's an English-speaking Af um, African country. And he was saying this, he was saying, you know, the problem with us in this country, all right, when you look at it, we're not like the Nigerians. They say, you go to Nigeria, you see big businesses. You go to Nigeria, you see businesses that have African brands, global brands. He said, our problem in this country is that not that we don't have brilliant people and we are not well-educated, but that we oppose ourselves too much. When one person wants to rise up, they are pulling and they are pulling and they are pulling. We are loggerheads one with another. He was preaching this and saying this, and I listened to him. He said, but you know, so we are unable, all right, to have anything that has any form of impact. He said, but you get to Nigeria, you see these things that are going on. Now, the truth is you can create a spiritual environment, which is what we want to do, where individuals are lifting up their head and getting impossible things done, which means you are shattering invisible ceilings. Individuals arising from the place are shattering invisible ceilings and getting things done because something is going on in the midst of the people. Psalm 87, it says this and verse 5. Psalm 87 and verse 5. And of Zion it shall be said, this and that man was born in her. In other words, you see somebody doing something, they say that person was born in Zion. And the highest himself shall establish her. Verse 6. It says, and the Lord shall count when he writeth up the people that this man was born there. And people start arising from a community there, all right, lifting up their heads. And we, this will happen, okay, because it's a truth that God showed and said, practice this. We practiced it. Right? We taught it and practiced it, and then people collectively prayed, and, and, and certain things began to happen. So, it says, write to the people, and this man was born there, seller. Next verse. And then it says, as well as the singers, as the players of instruments, shall be there. All my springs, it says, are in thee. So, it's about, first of all, all right, dealing with this horn, so that people can lift up their head. Now, let's go back to the scripture in Zechariah. I'll show this how we do it. Zechariah 1, the last one there. All right? And to cast out the horns which have lifted their horn over the land of Judah to scatter it. Now, next verse, which chapter 2, verse 1. And then I lifted up my eyes and looked, which means after the horns were gone. And behold, a man now with that measuring line at the beginning. And then the angel said, what goest thou to measure? It says, to measure Jerusalem. What God had said shall be inhabited as a city without walls there. Or he said it shall be spread abroad. But he says they are haunts. Those haunts have to be dealt with before this can happen. He says, what are you going? He says, to measure Jerusalem, to see what is the breadth and what will the length be. And he told him, don't bother. Went to them to meet him. Next verse, verse 4. 
He said, and he said, whither thou goest? And he said unto him, run, speak to this man, saying, Jerusalem shall now be inhabited as towns without walls for the multitude of men and cattle therein. Cattle was their, was their economic, the way you evaluate it was an agroeconomy. So it said the amount of cattle, the, the financial state of the people and the multitude of men that are there. Because their eyes had been opened up to see the horns that were in operation and to actually deal, all right, with those horns so that they could be afloat. So what we're saying is that when people come together and haven't been taught, we'll say this, and people come in one accord and, and enter into the place of prayer, the key is that they are in one accord concerning it. Now, the only way people can be in one accord is that the truth concerning God's word or in God's word, concerning what they want to pray about is thoroughly explained to people. Now, people can go into prayer and not be, first of all, in one accord. But they are praying together, but they are not in agreement concerning that thing. For example, uh, you can come out and say that and just say that, you know, God wants everybody inside this congregation to have finances in abundance. Some people may not agree, all right, inside their heart. And I explain why. They may not agree with what you are saying, that they don't believe it. Uh, that what they believe is that few people, some people, but you know, you know, we, we don't really think it's God's will. You can say God wants everybody to be healed. Some people might just say, well, we don't believe it. Uh, we believe that deep down that, you know, God wants to uh, teach some people lessons. And so he allows sickness to teach them. So, so for you to say, some people may not agree. Now, it depends on the background of the people. The only thing that Christians agree on, a whole congregation, without being taught, is the salvation of souls. Everybody agrees that sinners should be saved. And I'm telling you why. Because even before you became a Christian, just walking around in school, you were hearing born again. The seed was being sown on the inside. You heard people preaching, all right, saying get saved and all of that. So it had entered into you that, you know, you know, people should get saved and should get born again. So people are in agreement and therefore can pray for that. But people are not in one accord concerning things except prayer is, sorry, except they are taught the word of God concerning that thing and their minds are renewed. Then can they say, all right, we're in agreement. Now let me show you the difference between, all right, prayer and being in one accord. Acts chapter 1 and verse 14. Let me just quickly show this. So what I want to do is to bring the congregation into one accord concerning these four things. And once you are in one accord on those things, then the, nothing can stop the grace of God from being released into that congregation for the fulfillment of that thing in the lives of every single person. The Bible says these all continued with one accord 
in prayer. Now, I'm going to show you that you can be in prayer and not be in one accord. And supplication. Now, go to chapter 2 and verse 1. Chapter 2 and verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord, all right, in one place. In other words, they were in agreement. And the agreement came as a result of what Jesus taught just before he left. So they were in one accord. Chapter 2 here and verse 46. To show you being in one accord doesn't mean you're in prayer. It says, and they continuing daily in one accord in the temple. And in breaking of bread from house to house. Which means they were in agreement about certain things. They were in agreement about certain truths that had been explained. Breaking bread from house to house, they eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Then chapter 4 and verse 24. And when they had heard that, they lifted up their voice unto God with one accord. Which means they were in agreement about what they were praying. Then chapter 5 and verse 12. Right? This is what Satan wants to scatter. So people are not in one accord. By the hands of the apostle, many signs and wonders were wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. You have to be in one accord there. And being in one accord comes as a result of, all right, teaching the truth concerning God's word. Psalm 133 from verses 1 to 3. The Bible says how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Right? It is like the pressure ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down the skirts of his garment when they are in unity. It says, as the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. So being in one accord about something is very powerful. All right? And it's teaching that brings us into a place of one, we're in one accord, and then collectively we can pray. I mean, let me give you examples here. Somebody can think and say, all right, financing, but the person doesn't believe. Now, based on what you have heard, you don't believe. Now, I absolutely believe 100%. That is God, and I'll tell you the reason why. It's God's will for every single child of his to have more money in their bank or wherever than they need, all right, than they need for their own personal needs and well-being. That the scripture teaches it that God will cause all grace to abound towards you so you having sufficiency always, it says, at every given time, you have sufficiency. If you put up the Amplified, it says, God is able, now if you receive it, to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance so that you may always, and order under all circumstances and whatever the need be, self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. In other words, for you to have enough and to have in abundance so you can help people. Now, because the reason is the only people that are helping people on this earth are people that have the means to help people. Now, if you don't have it and the means to do it, 
all right? So just everybody wants to do it. But the only people that are really doing it, and it's the people doing it that are making the change. I mean, somebody sent me a mail, and I'm sure this lady, I don't know her, I mean, is a Muslim, because every name there was, was Muslim, all right? And she said, my mother is dying. I mean, this was about some weeks ago. And all of that, I listened to me, I, I, need, I don't know how she got my message, she just sent it. And I sent the money, and if you had seen the prayer she was offering up, and all what she was saying, all right, and, and, and I mean, this was a point of death. Now, if there is not someone that has an abundance to be able to give, what you'll be left with is, I wish I could help. Now, everybody wishes. Christianity is not about wishing you can help. It's about helping. All right? For, for this month, let's say it's heavy to be on a child, and, and nobody has the capacity to lift it, and then we watch, which is what is going on, and then we don't think that it's God's will for you to have the capacity to help, and we think it's God's will for you just to want to help. That's not Christianity. So prosperity message wasn't about personal abundance. That's where the mistake came. It was having the capacity to be able to help other people. Being in a state where you can help other people. So it takes the renewal of the mind to be able to see that, listen, like somebody said, I didn't say it this way. He said there's nothing in being used. It's when you abuse there's something. He said because if, if people don't use you, then you are not useful. Uh, you understand this? It's when they abuse you or misuse you, but you should be able to be. So when people say they are just using me, you are good, you are blessed. Because you are useful. All right? If people cannot see that we can use you, then of what use are you? Because then you are not useful. So, so uh, being abundant there is, is God's will. That's why I said, I have given you the power, except you don't receive it, which is what is going on. This podcast is brought to you by the Covenant Nation. For more information, visit www.insightsforliving.org. Thank you and God bless.